Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season nine. Nope, we're not talking about season nine <laughs> oh yet. Could you imagine? Eventually, we will. We're talking about season five, episode nine, Intervention. Mary, what happened this week? Jackie calls Kelly to tell her Seventeen Magazine wants to take her picture after seeing her photos from the mother-daughter shoot she was apparently in after all. Aww. <laughs> Kelly says she isn't really interested, but agrees to at least check it out. Kelly tags along to the meeting with Jackie, where Jackie is over-enthusiastic. The Seventeen Magazine lady promises fun and money and no pressure, and no hard feelings if it doesn't work out, unless you're Jackie. Jackie invites Brandon to dinner to celebrate people wanting to take photos of Kelly. Kelly still seems not that thrilled about the whole thing. Then she makes a comment about not wanting to eat. Brandon shuts that conversation down immediately. Jackie decides to talk about Dylan instead, saying she wished she had good friends when she was deep in her own problems. Brandon and Kelly go to the peach pit, where Kelly plans to order hot tea. Brandon, in front of everybody, is like, here we go again, Kelly isn't eating anymore. Kelly tells him to stop acting like her mom. There's right. so many issues. So right. many issues. <laughs> like, ugh. I, don't even, I don't even know where to start. So well, I have somewhere to start. Yeah, Perfect. I was going to say, I, was I thinking have about this. plenty of spots. So at first when, like, I was watching these scenes with Brandon, mm-hmm. I was just like, dude, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, but at the same time, like, as someone who has dealt with their own fair share of mental health issues, the fact that he can just bluntly be like really, are you going to do this? Like, I I see what you're doing. Maybe don't. Mm -hmm. And then Kelly just being like, yeah, yeah, okay. Like, I kind of appreciate that because not everything needs to be like, let's sit down and handle this gently. Sure. Because like, this is a very real thing that she's dealt with. And like, she knows what that does to her. And Mm -hmm. so just Brandon being like, okay, really? Like calling attention to the behavior, but without all of the gentle head patting. Like, I appreciate that. Like, especially as someone who, when, like, if you can see me, like, going down a wrong path, like, I would appreciate just someone bluntly being like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. So, I actually kind of liked Brandon's attitude. But I will also say (laughs) that I didn't like it because I don't think Brandon is coming from that place. That's I think that's the thing that gets me is like I do appreciate Kelly and Brandon's relationship. Like I actually do think they're working well together. They have mm-hmm. good chemistry. You know, it helps that they have this history where he knows everything that Kelly has gone through mm-hmm. at least while they've known each other. And you know, as a result of that like he knows what's going on with Jackie. He knows that like modeling is a pretty big trigger for her. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, when they get to the peach pit, it doesn't sound like he's being like no, you need to not go down this path. He's really just being like, hey, everyone, I just wanted everyone to know that Kelly's not eating right now. Yeah, that was kind of my thought, too. Like, I definitely appreciate if that was the place that he was coming from of being like, no, no, like, I'm going to, you know, grab you by the collar here and be like, no, don't go that way. Like, that would be one thing. I think it's just we've talked a lot about how Jason Priestley sometimes lacks the right delivery and and how an emotion or how something should be delivered. And this was perhaps one of them because it made us think of angry Brandon, annoying Brandon, I know better than you, Brandon, not 
I know your whole history and I'm keeping you from yourself kind of situation, especially since we just had that really great moment between Kelly and Jackie talking about why this is triggering, why this is a trauma, like things like that. That was the thing that got me. It's like, we just had this like really great character moment and now we're back into trauma and can we not be sensitive to it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. We literally just had the episode where Kelly was like, this is really triggering for me and I'm really worried about what's happening to Aaron. And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, like Mary said, we don't always have to have these like real meaningful, emotional sit down talks and whatnot, but it, it's kind of like that didn't happen where Jackie was just like, you got this opportunity and you should go for it. She says like most girls would give up their eye teeth for it. But then she says it weird. Did you hear that? She was like, eye teeth. Yeah, eye teeth. And first of all, what is an eye teeth? It's the ones, I looked it up, it's the ones right under your eyes. So it's like oh. kind of your canines. Weird. Yeah. I've never I, heard that before. I had to look it up because I was like, are these teeth that people can see? Right. Or like. I was too focused on the eye being first. I'm like, what part of the eye is the teeth? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. I. The language was just a little off. Like, I mean, uh, Jackie was just so like, you got to do this. This is a great opportunity. Meanwhile, Kelly had just told her how horrible her experience was as a kid. So I don't know. Maybe I was a little bit too sensitive to that piece of it, but... I don't know. I mean, it it's definitely Jackie trying to relive her glory days. Like, that is yeah. painfully obvious when they go to Seventeen Magazine and she will not stop talking. I really love that she was like, oh, it's like when I went to Ohio State. I was like, oh, Jackie went to Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. You could even tell the um, – Lisa. Know. Yeah, Lisa. I wrote it down. Thank you. You could even tell she was just like, mm, um, no, this is not about you. We're talking about Kelly. We're not here to relive whatever it is that you did. We're here to talk about what Kelly is going to do. I mean, yeah, this was more of a Jackie episode than a Kelly episode when it comes to that. Yeah. Well, because even when Jackie leaves the room and Lisa's like, it could be really fun. Like, you don't have to do it. Tell me, like, there will be no hard feelings between us. And then she's just like, but there might be hard feelings between you and Jackie. Like, right. how dare you use this girl's mother against her? I know. Well, because it was that fine line between using her mother, like, putting pitting her mother against her, but then also, like, I recognize that your mom wants this to be about her, so I'm trying to make this all about you, right? It was, like, using the angle of, and this is about you, but also if you don't do it, your mom's going to be really mad mm-hmm. at you. So you're in a no-win situation. I will say, like, I still, I can't really tell if she actually, like, she agreed to do it, but, like, I can't tell if she's going to drop out at some point because of how she's already, like, mm-hmm. have you ever seen a chubby cover girl or whatever she says at dinner? She does say that. Yeah. Um, but I I kind of like the idea that they'd be setting something up for her because they said, like, we're going to cover all the seasons. You're going to come back for four different shoots. Like, they're kind of setting up, like, a season arcing mm-hmm story for Mm -hmm. Kelly that like yeah we've kind of tread on this before but I'm excited for that I want her to do something so this will be something she can do I just hope she doesn't fall into the same pitfalls that Jackie fell into when she was a young model yeah I mean like oh god I mean think about it every character I feel like is going to go through a drug moment. I yeah, that, like it didn't even occur to me until you said that. I was like, oh no, Kelly's mm-hmm. gonna do coke to stay skinny. Exactly, because think about it. David's done meth. 
Brandon has abused alcohol, Dylan's abused alcohol, and apparently now heroin. And that's three out of the main six? Seven? Yeah, there's a lot of them right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I could totally buy... Because, I mean, Kelly technically took speed. Right, Like, exactly. those diet pills were speed. Exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty much it with Kelly's story. There's just, like, a few little moments, like, when they went to dinner mm-hmm. and Jackie's like, you're looking at the new face of blah, blah, blah. And Brandon reaches across the table to shake her hand. <laughs> I know. She's like, oh, congratulations. Not me, you idiot. <laughs> I really liked that. And, like, she took his hand and shook it and then was like, no, it wasn't me. (laughs) She was like, I don't want to make you seem like an idiot, so I'm just going to shake your hand. I appreciate you saying my face looks new. Right, exactly. No, that's exactly what I was – she was like, oh, you. (laughs) She also called appetizers nibbles, and I kind of love that. (laughs) Like, way better than appies or, like, you know, whatever. I'm going to start calling appetizers nibbles. You guys want to order some nibbles? (laughs) love it i look forward to that day oh i can't wait to use that in the wild um and then yeah i guess the only other time we see kelly in this episode is where like before all this happens like right when Mm. jackie calls about 17 magazine and she and donna are talking and donna's like which one of our moms do you think is worse yeah and i'm like definitely felice felice 100 (laughs) percent. i was like i mean like jackie has had some moments but like Mm. at this very moment it's Felice. Yeah, 100%. Like, maybe two years ago, Jackie. Right now, Felice. Well, because that's the thing is, like, we've seen Jackie go from kind of rock bottom to, like, being a better person. We – this might just be who Felice is. Like I think it is. Yeah. So, ugh, poor Donna. I know. Speaking of, though. Yeah. Um. I guess we're done with Kelly. So, Mary <laughs> – Claire wants to take David's mind off more serious matters by making a sex tape recorded over some old footage from campus TV. Later, when David wants to watch the tape, they realize it's missing. Ray's mom asks if he was out with Donna till 4 a.m. He says he was with the boys. She says, don't leave your girl waiting by the phone, especially a a girl who has money. Donna's mom says a boy being nice and cute and liking them isn't enough to decide to date them. Felice tells Donna to invite Ray to dinner anyway. Ray is late for dinner, so Felice asks Donna to play the video she brought of her air check for campus television. (laughs) Dr. Dad is just about to put it in the VCR when Ray rings the doorbell. He wants to watch the tape anyway. Or sorry, Dr. Dad wants to watch the tape anyway, but Felice says it can wait till after dinner, but in a rude way. (laughs) Felice has the audacity to serve jellied meat and then get offended that Ray doesn't eat it. She needles him some more about being late, saying the lamb is probably overcooked. Ray tells Donna's family he's originally from Oklahoma. Felice knows some Oklahomans, oil people. Ray clarifies that he is not oil people, and he doesn't really know what the fuck he's going to do with his life. Sorry if that's a problem. (laughs) Donna and Ray walk a little bit with Rocky too where Ray proclaims her dog is the only one in the family he's worried about impressing. They head back to the beach apartment, where Donna finds Claire and David tearing apart the living room, looking for that video that she gave to her parents. Donna goes back to retrieve the tape. Felice wants to watch it before Donna takes it with her. Dr. Dad said he tried to watch it, and all he got was static. Then, he sneakily tells Donna to give David his best. Donna thanks him for not telling Mom what he saw, which was probably terrible. 
He says Donna owes him. Fair, because no one should have had to see what was on that tape. <laughs> oh, but Felice would like to talk to Donna, because what about Griffin? He was such a nice young man. Donna tells her the truth about how Griffin tried to get her to sleep over on an island on their second date. Ray fills his mom in on dinner, and she tells him to be good to Donna because of all of the things her parents have. Like, this storyline got amped up. It really did. <laughs> like, we went from two boys to one boy, but a boy with, like, an interesting story, potentially. Yeah, it it was really interesting to me in this episode, like, this storyline very specifically. We got a lot of new sets. Mm-hmm. We did. Like, the idea that they brought in Ray's mom and, like, had them have whole conversations, like, made Ray a lot more than Mr. Pumpkinhead. A hundred percent. Yeah, more than just that little hedgehog who lives in a pumpkin. <laughs> he doesn't live in a pumpkin. He lives in a house with his mom. Right. We learned where he lives. Yeah, and and they really want to pour on the, like, I guess, more southern or southwestern or, like, wherever. Because he says he's from Oklahoma, so mm-hmm. I guess that's, like, flyovers. I don't know what you call it. Plains. The middle the of the country. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, like, he calls her mama, not mom. And, like... She's smoking and has, not that you can't smoke in California, but, like, Mm -hmm. she's smoking every time we see her, and she's got a southern accent and things like that. So they're really trying to establish, like, this is a different world. Even though they live in California, Mm -hmm. it's not those Californians. They live in Reseda. Right. Which, (laughs) how could you live in Reseda? Well, and so... Actually, I meant to look this up. I'm pretty sure Reseda is where the Karate Kid lives. Oh, that's so. It's like we did this before. Yeah, that's fun. Daniel Larusso lives in Reseda and dated a rich girl. Hey, and they say you can't repeat storylines. My gosh, so that makes Ray, Daniel Larusso, and uh, Griffin would then be uh, what's his face. Blonde kicky boy. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> what is his name? I'll never remember it. I'm blanking on it. Right? I just want to say Tommy, but Tom is the one that's like, get him a body bag. <laughs> I watch a lot of Cobra Kai. Yeah. Which was is now Emmy nominated, by the way. As so. it should be. <laughs> I was surprised by that and Emily in Paris. So there, there we are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like we've we've all of a sudden gotten way more sets, way more conversations with people that are not the, the standard cast members. And then background, backstory on Ray. His family's from Oklahoma. He doesn't have, he didn't come from much. He doesn't have much. He doesn't know where he's going in life. He does construction. Like we already knew that, but still like we're, it's being reinforced. He plays guitar, like yada, yada, yada. But now we're starting to see another perspective with his mom in the mix. Um, and at first... It really does seem like she's just about the money, right? Like, she's mm-hmm. like, no, you got to hang on to this girl because she comes from money. Because she lives on the north side of Beverly Hills or, you know, whatever it was and and things like that. And at first I was like, oh, this woman. Because Ray clearly, like, had a negative attitude when he was talking to her in the beginning. Yeah. Very different from their conversation at the end. Yeah. I Like, it kind of felt like they were trying to make her, like... You know, not only is she from Oklahoma and lives in Reseda, but like, yeah, obsessed with this money. She's like, oh, it, it's, you know, just as easy to fall in love with a rich girl as it is for anybody else. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of sounds like she's just excited because like she's never seen into this world before. Sure. Yeah. I mean, 
it's definitely something she's never had. And then all of a sudden her son gets a date with a rich girl. Like that's that. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, feel like that's exactly what felice is doing but like much more bitchier yeah she's just like how did you meet this boy Mm -hmm. i mean she like will not accept that he is not in college we don't know his age actually but she harps on what his age is she harps on what he does for a living and she harps on where he's from it's like she just cannot accept ray for ray Mm-hmm. she's like nope that that can't be right my daughter would never date somebody who's not in college and getting a degree and from beverly hills and got his future planned out well yeah i mean let's you know felice is all about appearances that's mm-hmm. why she cares so much about griffin like she serves aspic at dinner and yeah nobody likes jellied meat i'm sorry that's gross that's gross like i have an adventurous palate and i do not like aspic I've never had it. Didn't even know what it was before this. That, uh, I don't think I'd want it. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those ones where I was like, oh, well, I'll try it just to try it. And sure. then I was like, I don't need to do that ever again. Isn't it like chilled? Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking gross. <laughs> Sorry, rich people. Your food sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, like, you know, she's talking to Felice and yeah, the first thing she says is like, oh, we know some Pruitts. Your dad, you know, plays with a Pruitt. He's a stockbroker. And then when Donna's like, no, he's not a stockbroker. He's not in school. She's like, oh, when did he graduate? Right, exactly. She cannot get her mind out of this one narrow viewpoint of the world of like Donna is going to marry the son of a rich man who's also in Beverly Hills, who's got, you know, a full ride to college, probably getting a degree in whatever his dad does that he can go follow the family business. Like it, it feels a lot of, old money kind of stuff Mm -hmm. yeah i mean he she even tells felice that he's a musician and she's like oh concert musician or something like that concert pianist yeah no doubt and donna's like um mother you're a snob (laughs) yeah i like she says like he's sweet he's cute he's nice i like him and felice is just like well that's not good enough it's like why not (laughs) no i really do appreciate when it gets like to after dinner and ray is just like i'm not trying to impress your parents i'm Mm -hmm. not dating them I was like, that's mature. That also, this such this does such a parallel to um, Gilmore Girls, by the way, to Jess. Like, Ray is Jess, 100%. Especially when Jess shows up late to dinner with the grandparents. He had a black eye because he got beaked oh, by the goose or by the swan. <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, he even says, I think, a line where he not he isn't interested in impressing them. He He's dating her. Um, and he doesn't want to go to college. He doesn't even graduate high school, but he's not at that path yet. But like, he is not what her grandparents expect. He's just Jess. And while most people think she should have ended up with him, I disagree, but that's for a different story. But it's just the parallels there with like a mother or a, um, a family member not approving of a person that their kid is dating simply because they like them like Mm -hmm. it's so interesting and i do wonder like when felice was younger if she ever felt it kind of also makes me think of the notebook oh yeah Allie's mom she originally wanted to date john sears (laughs) yeah (laughs) and she wanted to be with him but because of his status and because of this that and the other thing she was forbidden to and thus is now forbidding Allie to be with um noah which is Ryan Gosling. So it's like, 
this story is classic, but it always happens to the parents too. So it's like, why did you grow up and then do the same thing that your parents did to you? Because life isn't fair. Yeah. <laughs> if I can't have it, no one can be happy. Right. Yeah. I just go back to the notebook when she's crying in the car and she's like, I love your father, Allie. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> just is sobbing. Which is very Felice because she had the affair like two oh my seasons God. ago. And then one's like, I love your father. Oh my God. Like, ugh. I, it's, it's very... Um, Rory, too, in the sense of, like, yeah, I think Rory should have ended up with Rory. Oh, like, yeah. No. Rory did not need any of those boys. Donna does not need any of those boys. Let's be real. Rory should have ended up with Paris. <laughs> oh, my God. My heart. I ship it. <laughs> my heart. I saw that one time and I was like, you know what? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I kind of have a feeling because, spoiler alert, Rory's pregnant at the end of the reboot or whatever. Not the final four words. Yeah. Yep. So I really want to believe that she has this baby and that Paris just co-parents with her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Like, they can be in platonic love. Yeah, they're right? like sister wives. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> but just together. No yeah. husband. Right. Can, can Lane come too? Yes. Oh, yeah. Dump Zach. fucking Yeah. Dump Zach. Because remember when Lane... Uh, lived with Rory in Paris for that hot second when Lane got kicked out of her house in college. And she, like, cleaned the apartment or cleaned the dorm and, like, did, went on coffee runs and all that stuff. Lane would be such a good wife. And her babies. And oh, Rory, Stephen that's Quan. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, friends, little siblings. Little siblings. Just mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> just a commune. Yes. I love it. Uh, but, yeah, so... All that to say is I'm just really annoyed with Felice for a million reasons, but one of them just being that she can't possibly accept that Donna likes a boy that isn't a millionaire or projected to become the heir to some sort of fortune. Yeah, I mean, she's constantly taking those small digs at him. Like, when he introduces himself to Mr. Martin, she's like, actually, it's Dr. Martin. Yep. Which, like, I feel like is a very doctory thing to do when people, like, care so much about titles. But even, like, Dr. Martin tries. He tries so yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what he said, but I just remember him not being a jerk. Well, and even, like, while they're actually eating dinner and they're asking Ray, like, oh, what do you want to do with your life? And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I do a little of this. I do a little of that. I, You know, I came from nothing. And Dr. Martin's like, yeah, my family struggled too. Yeah. Like, he's trying so hard. And Felice is just like, well, you know, the lamb is a little overcooked. It's just so unfortunate because then, of course, Dr. Martin's behavior gets overshadowed by Felice's absolute horrible behavior, right? It's always like the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? It's like because she's so bad, she's going to get the attention. Mm. And that's what she wants. She wants the attention. Meanwhile, Dr. Martin is just being a normal dad, obviously probably still wanting to ask certain questions to make sure that this guy is right for his daughter. But, like, he's still being a nice guy. Yeah. And that's going to get overlooked because Felice just cannot be an adult. Yeah, because Dr. Martin does not have preconceived notions about Mm -hmm. people based on, you know, how much money their parents make. Exactly. And, I mean, I I will say there was this one moment where, like, Donna's trying to tell them that he's a musician. He's like, don't try and build me up, Donna. And I was like, don't do that. Yeah. Let her say what she wants to say. Let her gush about you. She likes you. And you do play music. Yeah. 
All she said was, like, you play music. Yeah, I literally think she said, he is a musician, and he's like, don't talk me up. And I was like, that's where you should be like, excuse me, why are you talking to my daughter that way? Sorry, Ray. You suck at guitar. <laughs> he's really bad. <laughs> What if he did say, he was like, don't talk me up. I'm really bad at guitar. Yeah. I mean, like, even the construction foreman or, or whoever, one of the people that works with him, told, I think, Donna, oh, you're talking about our Elvis. Yeah. Like, a few episodes ago. So, Ray, like, what? There's, there's like, a point. It's kind of like in an interview, right? Like, when you have a job interview and you're trying to not be too confident but there's a line between doing that and then just like not admitting that you're good at stuff Mm -hmm. and it's like Ray's just like taking it way too far he's like no 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 I can't say anything good about myself and neither can you (laughs) yeah let me just uh, put this in your brain that I'm the worst possible person that your daughter could be dating right and I will not allow anyone to change your mind (laughs) and okay you know what the like kind of parallel of this is with you know David and Claire and the sex tape and, like, I feel like we almost should have told Felice that David and Claire made a sex tape, didn't bother renaming it, put Donna's name on it, and let her take it to her parents' house to be like, yeah, that's who I used to date. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of hoping it would turn out that way just because I feel like I want to see what Felice's face looks like when she accidentally sees David having sex with oh somebody. Oh, my God. His little skinny white butt. <laughs> And, okay, when they were when they were filming themselves, their little voices, like when they were talking to each other, it was so porny and weird. It was. You know they were trying so hard. Like they were like, we have to put on a performance. She's oh like God. taking his shirt off. He's like, oh, you want this off? Yes. They're like, Ugh. <laughs> it just like made me suddenly feel so awkward. And this is probably shouldn't say this on on a podcast, but like got me thinking about what happens when I do it. I'm like, how do I sound? What do I say? <laughs> Is Am I that awkward? <laughs> I suddenly got very self-conscious. Uh, anyway, we can move on from that. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's what we have to talk to next before, talk about next before we like get to the end of what happens with Donna. Cause yeah. like, the, the problem is this one like kind of bleeds into several other stories while just like existing. Like, David gets home from an intervention with his friend, and Claire is like, you know how we should take your mind off of it? <laughs> Making porn. Yeah, not only just having sex, filming ourselves doing it. Won't that be fun? Did you guys ever watch Happy Endings? Mm-mm, it's on my list. Well, there's an episode where the main character, Dave, he dates this girl, and she's like a guy's girl, like really into sports, like, really, like, not super feminine, loves beer, basically me. (laughs) And she wants to do a sex tape with him, and they do, and because he's all excited about it. And then she makes them watch it, and she takes notes, like, they're doing film They're watching tape? (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, please, Claire, make David take notes. (laughs) Just... Go full Jan on this. Give him pointers. <laughs> Absolutely. Break down his performance and show him how to be better because yeah. I'm sure he sucks. You got to tear him down to bring him back up again. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, no, like I really wanted when, so they make the tape and then, you know, the next time we see the two of them together is when David's like, you know, it'd be really fun if we watched the tape <laughs> and Claire is like, oh yeah, watching that, like that didn't occur to her that they should watch the tape they made right right 
But yeah, I would have loved if she was just like, ooh, that doesn't look good. Yeah, you, you see sh- what you did here and just like takes out one of those pens and like circles <laughs> it. What you should have done and then moves like a line over. <laughs> X's and O's. Yeah. It's like play, then pause, rewind. Play, pause, rewind. Like over and over. Yeah, just like, do you see it? Do, do you, you see? You see what you're doing here, right? T- tell me what you think you see. <laughs> but no, the tape is missing because apparently it is totally normal in this beach apartment for Donna to go into Claire's room and just take tapes. Yep. That was what was weird too. It's like, how did the tape disappear? Well, Donna just walked in at some point, grabbed what she thought was the right tape and bounced. Which truly, the second you put your naked little butt on a video, you rename it. Oh, absolutely. I don't know. Garbage dump footage. Definitely not my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Take Donna's name off of it. Or at the very least... Don't put it back on the stack of videotapes on the desk. Bottom of your drawer with the handcuffs. Exactly. Yes. Like, exactly. You keep your sex stuff where your roommates can't accidentally happen upon it. That's right. Like, that's the thing that gets me is, like, they didn't put any effort. And then, you know, Donna even makes that comment when she's talking to Kelly of, like, even though David doesn't live here anymore, he's still leaving his empties in the fridge of just, like, mm-hmm. yeah, David isn't really respecting other people by just, like, leaving video of himself just out with Donna's name on it. Gross. That's it. Like Donna should not have just gone into Claire's room. But like I get, you know, texting and phone calls and stuff like were a lot harder. But of course, if it's got her name on it, why would she assume that you taped over it with yourself? Right. Right. That just makes me think of all the times my mom and I accidentally recorded over our VHS tapes when we would like record stuff because my mom was very into the soap operas back in the day like she would just on loop watch Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful she'd record it every single day (laughs) and then I was really I got into this phase where I was really into like the Brady Bunch and like Golden Girls and all that and I would tape over it but because we both she and I were terrible at labeling things we never knew which one was like the newest Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful, or the and by newest, I mean the newest rerun that I saw of the Brady Bunch. And so we'd constantly tape over it ourselves. Yeah. You got to label things, man. You have to <laughs> label things. Moral of the story. Got to put some labels. Yeah. And, you know, Donna comes home and they're tearing apart the apartment and she's like, what are you looking for? And they tell her what tape it is and then they have to tell her what happened yep and then she has to literally immediately turn around and race back to her parents house and felice is just like why are you here <laughs> what was so important that you couldn't wait until tomorrow like i'm sorry ma'am did i not live here for 18 years <laughs> i love that she's like well now that you're here yeah now that you have just left and we just met ray and i treated him like garbage let's talk about griffin yep and i i love donna i love her so much i love that she was like yeah, mom, he was such a good guy. He waited until the second date to try and sleep with me. I just love that at the end of the day, Donna is her own advocate. She usually, she might get nervous to say something. She might not want to break the news. She might want to avoid confrontation. But when push comes to shove and it's time for her to like advocate for herself, she does 100% without any sort of like hesitation whatsoever. And I love that about her. Yeah, like... I I have no idea where she learned it and I'm so proud mm-hmm. of her because mm-hmm. like I I don't think I could ever stand up to my mom in this way and oh, gosh, like my no. mom is not Felice. Oh yeah, no, my mom isn't either. Thank God. Yeah. And it's like 
even with, it's almost like Donna has had to develop this, I guess, quality of her personality because Felice is the way she is. Like with our moms, we're probably going to be a lot more passive aggressive because our moms are not evil incarnate. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, that's very fair. And like, it's not like Dr. Martin helps. He lies right. for Donna and mm-hmm. is just like, you owe me. And it's like, it's, it's very much like an allegiance of Dr. Martin and Donna versus Felice. Mm-hmm. Which is not great for their marriage, but we already know their marriage isn't great anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't call that a healthy family dynamic. No. Um, not, not even a little. Mm-mm. But I still support the alliance because fuck Felice. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, yeah. God. Fuck Felice. And, oh, I mean, Donna did not have to say any of the things that she said. But I even kind of wish that she had been like, yeah, not only did he do this to me on the second date, like he took me to a remote island that I could not leave so that I would have sex with him. And then when I tried to tell him why I won't have sex with him, he assumed I was sleeping with somebody else and yelled at me and called me a slut at a party. Like, I feel like you should just really drag this guy. Oh, yeah. Because I do wonder what the breaking point would have been for Felice, like, if she's so hung up on Griffin's status, good looks, and money, what would be the straw that breaks the camel's back in order for her to now view Griffin in a negative life light? You know? I don't know. I don't think she would. Yeah. Mm-mm. I don't think there's anything that he could do that would make her be like, ew. Do you think it's because he would? she would still just like side with him regardless? I think she's like so appearance- focused and oriented that she would just not care and make excuses because I feel like that's just the kind of person that she is yeah or just kind of be like la 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 like I don't I'm not hearing this if I don't hear it it's not true Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah it's just like well that's that's your side of the story but I haven't heard his and you're probably exaggerating and he's a good boy and I like his mom (laughs) (laughs) and Dr. Martin goes to play golf with him or whatever people do in Beverly Hills yeah no, I, I completely agree. I feel like, you know, it, it actually kind of shocked me that Felice was silent when mm-hmm. Donna walked off. Like, you know, they didn't have the time for it in this episode, but I almost feel like Felice, in my mind, would have just been like, well, you're going to marry him. Like, Ugh. you just need to explain it to him. Like, there's probably a misunderstanding or, you know, something. Like, I know she's still going to be like, good Christian values. You still can't have sex until you're married, but like you know, talk to him and maybe just get married in six months. Ew. The problem is, like, I can see that, too. That's the thing. She wanted Donna to go to Texas to debut to marry someone. Blah. Yeah, like, she doesn't actually care about Donna going to college and having experiences. She just wants her to be set up and married and done and be a housewife and eat low-fat muffins with other housewives. I just want Donna and Deshaun... That's all I want. I know. <sighs> but alas. I mean, honestly, like, I'm still, I have issues with Ray. I don't like him being like, don't speak for me. When, right. Like, yeah, she's just saying stuff. But, like, so far he's better than Griffin, and I like him better than her and David together. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I just, what I want is I want her to date people. Yeah, yeah, you want a lot of experiences for her because so far there just hasn't been a great match and other it, than Deshaun. And that's, like, it's been serial monogamy with boys that suck. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like, I guess at least Kelly found Brandon. 
which isn't saying a whole lot, but like he's not a bad guy. Like Brandon's a good dude down down deep. It's just sometimes he struggles with how to show that. Yeah, I did. Like he's not a bad guy. Like I know we shit on him a lot, but he's not a bad guy. He's young and misguided. Yeah. I just wish he would show a teeny bit more growth. For sure. I think that's probably the problem is we've just have not seen him grow like he probably should be at season five. Then again, we have five more seasons before yeah. he ends up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I guess we got to move on. It's time to be sad, guys. Dylan is even rock bottomier than the last time we saw him. <clears throat> Cindy comes over to Dylan. Wait. Nope. (laughs) She does. Cindy comes over to tell Dylan that he's not alone. Jim took the day off. Come talk to him, please. We care about you. Dylan says, okay, he'll go get cleaned up. But by that, he meant snort cocaine, which I guess works out because instead of a nice conversation with Jim, Dylan gets a room full of literally everyone he knows and Ellen Marks, an alcoholism counselor. She says Dylan owes it to these people to listen to how his problems have affected them. Brandon starts off the conversation, of course. He's only there because of that time that Dylan saved his life on that mountain. David reminds Dylan of the time he saved him from the cops by flushing all that meth. Nat tells Dylan he knows he stole from the peach pit after dark, and that really hurt him. Also, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's gonna die. Dylan insists he's not gonna die. Ellen tells Dylan he should really sit and listen. Again, because he wants to leave. Steve says this is all a waste of time. Over Valerie, who has literally lived here for a month. Dylan tries to explain that he didn't want Steve to get hurt, and he had told Val that. Steve isn't moved, but Dylan says, bleh, Dylan says he'll stay and listen if Steve stays too. Donna tells Dylan she thought of him as a big brother in high school, but she lost a lot of respect for him the night of that fundraiser when he showed up and yelled at everybody. She's upset that he blew her off when choosing classes and that he dropped out of school. Dylan says those decisions had nothing to do with her. Andrea jumps in and says it was all about drugs. And Andrea is mostly mad that he didn't come see her baby. Kelly says Dylan had more dignity when he was sober. Um, especially that time he did body shots off that lady he met at Jesse's bar. Dylan goes to the bathroom to do some more cocaine about his feelings, but instead decides not to. He doesn't want to go to the hospital. <clears throat> And he says that everyone in this room needs him to be sick so they can feel better about the state of their own lives. But then he says, okay, I'll go to rehab, but only to spite all of you. Valerie wasn't invited to the intervention. She runs into Claire while shopping, and they bond a little over not really being part of the group. In rehab, Dylan meets Kirk, who fills him in on some rules. No news, no phone, no television, only Bible, and breakfast is only for on-time boys. Dylan decides he doesn't belong in rehab. He signs himself out just as Val arrives to bring him cookies or something. Cindy is incensed when she finds out Dylan left rehab. Jim uses his only lines in this episode to say they did everything they could for him and it'll never be enough. Val and Dylan get Chinese food and beer. Dylan tells her to drink one or leave, so she agrees to stay. Cindy calls and leaves a worried message on Dylan's machine. Then Dylan finds a bottle of scotch in his cabinet, so he's drinking that now, and then he pages his drug dealer. Val tells Dylan he needs help, and not to answer the phone. He does anyway. Val leaves. 
Dylan ends up at the pool hall with his dealer, thin hair, high cheekbones, who gives Dylan his order and also some free heroin. Lovely. Val comes back to find everyone worried about Dylan. She tells them she hasn't seen or heard from him and that she was at the movies. God, Kelly, she was at the movies. <laughs> also, if Dylan doesn't want to be helped, there's nothing else to do. His life is in his own hands. Dylan wakes up in his car in the morning, parked at the makeout spot with the view. Then he smokes heroin right before a crop drives by. Then he starts his car, but being impaired, loses control of it and drives it through a fence and down a fucking cliff. <sighs> Baby Dylan. I know. I'm, I'm like in pain talking about this. It's awful. And like, ugh, just, I don't know. I feel like we should talk about like everyone's reasonings or you know whatever you want to call it for being at the intervention and just like how that all goes down because like I need I need to talk about it like Mm -hmm. Cindy showing up I was just like we literally just talked about this last episode we were like why is Cindy not there why is she not going and doing something Mm -hmm. and then of course she's the one that goes to his house and convinces him that he needs to come to this intervention that she doesn't tell him is an intervention and I actually hate it here's why This whole time, Cindy has been, like, on Dylan's side, in his court, whatever you want to call it. You know this wasn't her idea to get an intervention going. So she has thus been made the designated person to go get him because she hasn't talked to him about any of this yet. That's going to kill Dylan's trust with her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden... Dylan or Cindy to Dylan goes from being like a mother figure, a confidant, somebody who's been rooting for him. And now he's going to associate her coming to talk to him with then being forced into an intervention. Yeah, like a trap. Exactly. That's a really. And I hate it. That's a good point. I hate it. And like, I don't know. I've never been to an intervention. I never watched the show Intervention, but this doesn't feel like a good intervention. It feels. And this is going to sound like I'm trying to make a joke, but I'm really not. This sounds more like a roast than an intervention, right? Like, they're just trying to pile on him rather than tell him that they care about him. I feel like in an intervention, like, like I understand the points they're trying to make, but they all just come across like, you're shitty. Yeah. (laughs) What I didn't hear is like how painful it is for them to watch him hurt himself exactly it was all about how he hurt them not how he's hurting himself well and yeah it sounds like you know dylan or brandon speaks first and is like i'm here because you saved my life on the camping trip it sounds like it's like you know reciprocation like if you hadn't have saved me from falling off that cliff i wouldn't be here right which really brandon like you stayed with him to make sure he didn't die last episode. Mm-hmm. Like, really, that's what you choose to say out of everything that you could say. Yeah, they're supposed to be best friends. And why can't they get Brenda on the phone? Oh, my. God. If Brenda was there, this would never have happened. First this would have been wrapped up. Brenda would have been the one to go see him. Mm-hmm. Brenda would have dragged his ass to AA first. Then, sure, she may have staged an intervention, but the second the crew, like, went off the rails, she would correct it or be like, come on, Dylan, we're leaving. That's, so, like, Val gets pretty spineless at the end of this episode, and Brenda would never. I know. 
Like, God, Brenda. Like, I knew I was going to miss her, but I didn't realize how much the show needs her. That's the, It's like a gaping black hole Because none of the her. characters are like her. And, like, it's very clear that nobody likes each other. Yeah. Like, Except for Kelly and Donna. Yeah. I mean, you know, the next one is David reminding Dylan that he saved him from the meth. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you guys have literally seen each other, like, twice. twice. And even then, like... If we're doing the whole, like, you save me, so now I'm saving you, like, mm-hmm. David already saved Dylan from drinking. Right. Like, Back he should technically, yeah, he should technically be like, ledger's clear, I'm fine. Right. I mean, even Andrea, who, like, I always thought they could have had a good relationship, but there's just not enough time. And it's, I assume things happened off Screensville, like, yeah. on top of the, you know, senior year writing the article thing. Exactly. And, like, I could see them connecting, and they do, and Andrea does make the connection of, like, but with your passionate desire to learn or something like that um, and your intellect, like that's what it should be about going to school. Like, I'm so surprised you dropped out. But then she's like, and then you haven't even seen my daughter. It's like, he's 19. He doesn't care about a baby. Right. Some people just don't like babies like that. Yeah. Or it's like, maybe he hasn't come to see your baby because he's going through his own shit that also, where has your check-in been yeah. with him? No, that- I that's the thing that gets me is all of these people abandoned him for the last two months and now they're like, hey, you're hurting yourself. And he's like, you don't know shit about what I'm going through. And that's the thing is like, I guess maybe I'm just getting a little too defensive of Dylan here, but like people know he lost all his money. There are people in this room, Jim, Cindy, Brandon, Valerie, Kelly, I think, but at least Brandon, Jim, Cindy, and Valerie. Well, Valerie's not in the room, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Who know? That Dylan got scammed and lost his entire fortune, basically. Well, and it's like, it's not even just losing the money. He lost his family. Exactly. Like, you, he lost the future that he was going to have with Erica and Suzanne and Kevin all mm-hmm. being like one big happy family. Like, he lost all of that on top of everything. I, I truly think that Dylan could live with losing his money. Yeah, because he never really cared about it in the first place. Like, he cared enough not to blow it on stuff. He also bought a new Porsche, like, randomly. Yeah. So it's like, he doesn't really, it's not about the money. It's a, like, totally, you're totally right. Like, it's about the family. It's about what could have been. It almost seems like Andrea, Steve, David, Donna to an extent. Donna, I think, truly does have, like, actual compassion in her heart and empathy. But... It seems like they truly think that Dylan is being like this and turned to drugs and alcohol to just turn to drugs and alcohol. Like, they're not coming at it from a place where they understand what drove him here. Which tells me that they don't know Dylan because the last time we saw him trying to drink was when his dad died. Exactly. Like, that's, I think, that's a big piece of it for me is, like, Everybody in this room knows that Dylan has had dependency issues with alcohol in the past. Not only just when his dad died, but before that. There's Mm -hmm. a reason he became alcohol-free for, like, a couple years before his dad died. You guys should know if ever he took a sip, there's something wrong. It's not just because he wanted to. Yeah, and they just write all of that off. I know. And, like, literally all of them do. Like, the next person that talks at the intervention is Nat, and he's like, I'm not stupid. You stole money. But, like, yeah, it's the same thing of, like, 
he's not saying like, I saw you change. Like you used to come and see me every day and have a Mm -hmm. cup of coffee and like Mm -hmm. hang out and we were partners. And then all of a sudden you changed and like everything's hurting and you're hurting yourself. And this it's, you stole money from me. Right. Again, they're just not getting to the core of it. They're just looking at it surface level from a selfish reason. And let's be real. The, what does uh, Dylan call her? Like the professional drug lady. To be fair, she kind of eggs it on. Yeah. She's like, we have to go the tough love route. And by tough love, I mean, you're going to tell him every way he's wronged you. And that's it. <laughs> Not Which- like why we're sad and why you need help and like da da da. Like, Maybe I'm getting a little too heated with all this, but it just really bothered me how this was handled. Well, I mean, literally the next one is Steve, who says this all a waste of time and that Dylan isn't worth the bottle he's trying to come crawl out of. And it's all about like, I could have been with Valerie if you weren't sleeping with her. Like, bro. We all know Steve is a very girl-centric guy. But come on. Steve also is a person with emotions and he's friends with people for a reason. I mean, like when he tries to storm out and Dylan's like, I'll stay if he stays. Like that makes me think that they have a friendship that we don't see because they only care about Valerie, who has only been here for a month, like Mary said. And like I actually thought, despite all the problems and issues I had with how the friend group addressed the issue... I quite loved that the writers threw in, no, 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 Dylan, you are going to be compassionate towards Steve here because you are going to want your friend to stick around regardless of what he's saying. All this trash he's saying to you, you want him here. Mm -hmm. That to me was important. But then nobody else gives him back the compassion that he just showed to Steve. Like where he's like, at first he's like, yeah, I messed up or like whatever. I didn't even know you, like whatever Dylan says. But then he's like, whoa, 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 don't go. Like, stay. That, to me, is... Remember, I think, last episode, um, I talked about that book I read about, like, uh, marriage and stuff? Uh One of the things that you look for when you're fighting with somebody is when your partner throws out what we call a repair signal. That could be a joke to lighten the mood. It could be a soft touch to be comforting. Whatever. Dylan's saying, well, no, stay. I'll, I'll stay if he stays. That's a repair signal. That's him showing that he wants to continue a conversation and not ruin a friendship. And it was just not reciprocated at all or noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that was done perfectly by any means. Right. However, I have to say, Steve and Dylan, I'm ready for them to connect and fucking hash this out. Mm, I, me too. I friendship them so <laughs> hard. I do too. I totally do. Because I think they could, I think they really could have a good friendship. We just maybe don't want it enough, I guess. I don't. Well, and the thing is, they rely so much on like Dylan with the girls. And then, mm-hmm. like, you know, they gave us Dylan and Brandon in like one season and then took it away from us. And yeah. we're just supposed to be like, well, I guess that's still there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just yeah. not. Well, because I think, like you had mentioned, like, then it goes Donna thinking about him as a big brother, lost respect for him, blah, blah, blah. We get Andrea, then we get Kelly. Who, to be honest, I thought was going to say more than what she said. I'm actually a little furious on how Kelly handled this because they do her whole, like, she's very intuitive. She can pick up on, like, when Kevin and Suzanne are con artists Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of these other things. Like, she's been so 
like in tune with all of these things and she's taking psychology classes like I you know it's weird to say like someone researched before they came into an intervention but you feel like if anyone's going to come into this prepared it's Kelly Mm -hmm. and even her body language when he first shows up like I don't remember who was talking but at one point she like you know, like pulls her hair back and then just like kind of looks away like, ugh, this is really awkward. I don't want to be here. Like her body language and the way she's talking to him do not feel like the Kelly that I'd expect. Totally. Like, because I think she would be secure enough in her relationship with Brandon to um, extend an olive branch, so to speak, mm-hmm. rather pile on him for sleeping with somebody else when she's dating someone else. Like it's, It wasn't about that. It was never about that. Yeah. I mean, her whole thing is like, you were paying me back by hiring this woman, you know, for falling in love with Brandon. It's like, no, we are talking about his alcohol and drug use. Like, I know that realistically, he wouldn't have taken Eberly home if he wasn't doing those things. But like, that's not what this is about. It was never about about Kelly. Yeah, exactly. Like, and she should know that. And that's, again... That's what still leads me to believe maybe she doesn't know that Kevin and Suzanne conned him because I feel I, – and maybe I'm giving Kelly too much credit here. I just feel like if she knew that, she would want to be right. I, I feel like you're giving Brandon too much credit. Like last week he told Steve about all of Valerie's yeah, hidden true. secrets. There is no way he didn't tell Kelly, his girlfriend, mm-hmm. about what he knows about Dylan. Speaking of that, <clears throat> last episode – I forgot to point out that Brandon is like, don't mention what I'm telling you to Valerie. She would kill me. And then Steve is like, sorry about your mom. Oh, yeah. And she's just like, oh, thanks. And like, what the fuck? (laughs) Brandon doesn't know Val at all. No. He doesn't. I mean, to be fair, like, you know, when she's at the ball and runs into Claire, she says that she and Brenda were best friends. I'm like, well, that pretty much tells me that you and Brandon were not. And also, you were? <laughs> I know. She talks about how Brenda wrote her those really long letters. And I was like, oh, my God. I want. Like, can Why you, are you still writing letters? Can you imagine a Valerie-Brenda friendship? Okay. <laughs> it would make zero sense. No. But I was like, Valerie, Brenda, Claire. Get the brunettes <gasps> to join up. Oh, my God. Right? I want it. And then occasionally throw in Emily Valentine. <laughs> Now that she's a brunette, too. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Just rendezvous in France, please. Claire can get Val there. Let's be real. That group should have been on Charmed. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's just spin them off into their own show and abandon Beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, France and- AU. Yeah. Yes. Four brunettes. Yes. And for some reason, all of this stuff is working. Like, Dylan asks, he's like, oh, can I go to the bathroom? Is that allowed? And he pulls out, you know, what I, we assume is Coke. I don't think they ever actually name it as mm-hmm. Coke. But he, like, pulls it all out, stares at it in Cindy's bathroom. How dare you? <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> but then he ends up not doing it. He puts it back up, mm-hmm. puts it in his pocket, and goes back out. And so apparently all of this is working. And then, yeah, this is when professional drug lady is like, we booked you a room at rehab which I guess Jim and Cindy are paying for it, and that's their whole, like, we've tried everything. Right. Throw money at the problem. That's going to work. Okay, that makes so much more sense. Jim thinks he's done something because he paid for something. Right. Yeah. Because he handled the situation, sir. Yeah. <laughs> There's, 
I don't remember what episode of The Simpsons it is, but it's like Ned Flanders before he was Ned Flanders was like a, a rambunctious child and his parents are hippies and they're like, we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. That's Jim right now. He's yeah. like, I bought something. I don't understand why it didn't work. What else can I do? I guess nothing. Right? Because, yeah. yeah, he, like, talked to him for 12 seconds. Mm-hmm. And that didn't work. And he's like, well, I got nothing. He didn't even speak during the intervention. No, he didn't. And maybe that was cut. I don't know. I don't know. But he didn't speak. And then Dylan says something, like Mary mentioned in the synopsis, that I 100% agreed with. He said that they need him to be sick so they can feel better about themselves. And I could honestly not agree more. Like, yeah. They need to have a, a quote-unquote problem child in their friend group. And Dylan is the easiest one because he's the furthest removed from the friend group, right? Like, everybody else is in school. They're all in the same environment together. The only one who isn't right now is Dylan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, you know, he goes. He makes them think that they've done their part with this intervention that was so dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just it, – I really missed the mark for me. And clearly for him because he goes – to rehab he spends the night and then the next morning after like five seconds with his roommate he's like i've had enough of yeah, this i'm done i'm done and he goes talking to the drug counselor who is like you checked yourself in with drugs in your pocket and like dylan is you know throwing out his little quips with like everyone ends up somewhere and i'll take my chances and i'll be fine and the guy's finally like okay you checked yourself in you can check yourself out which Jim and Cindy should have known that this could happen and not check him into that particular, whatever, besides the point. Well, and like, again, I, I have not been a part of an intervention. I don't Same. know how rehab works and all of these things, but like, how hard is it to like check someone in on their behalf just literally to get around the bureaucratic, he checked himself in, therefore he can check himself out. Right. I don't know. And the only thing I can think of is that because he's, technically an adult maybe they have to leave that up to him because he's his own thing you'd think there would like at least be a 24-hour hold that was the other thing i was thinking is like yeah maybe they have to like force him to you know stick around for 24 hours like you literally can't check yourself out i know oh god i was watching some other show where somebody checked themselves in and then was like i'm ready to check myself out and they were like well a doctor hasn't seen you yet you cannot Mm -hmm. leave until a doctor sees you oh is that the wilds yes yeah I've been wanting to watch that, too. Do it. Yes. Oh, my God. I've I've only, I think I only know one other person who's watched it, and she said it was good. So. It's so, so good. good. I heard it was, like, Lost mixed with, um, Lord of the Flies. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's so good. There's, mean, Lost is one of my favorite shows of all time, so. There's this book called Beauty Queens by Libba Bray, and it Bray. is so like it's like the wilds but not like the wilds but it's just so good it's literally like it's lord of the flies but with beauty queens they're all going to like a remote mm-hmm. um like pageant and then the plane crashes but all these beauty oh, queens are like using their talents <laughs> to survive on this island can you imagine in miss congeniality just Sandra Bullock using her, like, playing water glasses as a talent to get them off an island or something. No, that's that's literally what it is. Like, one of them is, like, a cheerleader or something. And she's just, like, 
kicking ass doing stuff she's just like so athletic like that's amazing it's really good that's awesome um but yeah he he checks himself out and it just happens to be that val is there bringing him like a tin of cookies or something Mm -hmm. and he's like well if you don't drive me somewhere i have to call a cab so she drives him somewhere yeah and like i guess i get it from val's perspective because on the one hand she's kind of like I don't want to see, like, if, like, I don't want you alone and, like, potentially getting into an accident or, like, doing something you shouldn't by yourself. If you're going to do something bad, I, like, someone needs to be with you. Yeah. So it might as well be me because I'm here. But at the same time, it's like, no, maybe force him to stay. <laughs> well, and yeah, what I expected to happen would be that she is like, okay, fine, I'll drive you somewhere. And mm-hmm. then goes to, like, a diner that does not serve alcohol and is like, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Let's eat. Sits there and talks with him, has, you know, some sort of meaningful conversation because she wasn't at the intervention and maybe she should have been. Mm -hmm. And then, like, between everything that happened with them and then the things that Val says in this scene that didn't happen, he decides to turn himself around and check back in. That's what I expected. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, that would have been not only a better story (laughs) but one that needed to happen instead we just get more rock bottom stuff yeah it's just like you know so the clinic calls jim and cindy cindy is furious jim is like we've tried nothing and nothing works (laughs) Mm -hmm. well it's it's time to give up and she kind of looks like she's on board with him right meanwhile you know dylan and val get to his house he orders takeout and a six-pack which Blew my mind because I was like, we just got that in Georgia. I thought the same thing. I was like, wait, you can deliver booze? <laughs> like, literally, we just got that. I know. It's crazy. And then, you know, he's like, starts to drink. And she's like, getting drunk out of your mind is not that cool. And he's like, well, fine. Get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And then she doesn't want to leave. So she starts making out with him. I was like, this is really uncomfortable and like not a good dynamic. And... Like, I felt so bad for Val that she felt like she had to make out with this guy who she's very clearly not attracted to and very worried about. Yeah. Just to stay in his rock bottom glow. It was really interesting because, like, again, I talked last episode about Val is just Val at this point. Like, we've no long we've gotten away from her two sides. Mm-hmm. It was funny because I was watching it with headphones in but on the big TV, and so, and I had subtitles on, because I always do, and Nate was like, I thought she was the bad girl, and I was like, well, she is, and he was like, so is she just gonna drink with him, and I was like, no, because she saw her dad commit suicide, and there was alcohol issues there, and so she's very opposed to this, and he was like, well, why is she here, and I was like, oh let me tell you like should i just turn the headphones off yeah let's just watch this together but she's there because like i said earlier she doesn't want him to be alone and destroy himself because Mm -hmm. she already saw what happened when somebody's left their own devices that's that far gone right but at the same time you can tell she clearly has an issue with alcohol and an issue with just all of it but now she's almost trapped like you said it's like a shame to see her like make out with him when clearly she's not into him in that way while he's like this. Mm -hmm. Maybe initially before it got too bad, not anymore, but she feels like she has to do it in order for him to kind of let her stay, which is really bad. 
Yeah. And I mean, like, even later, you know, after dinner, he goes to get that, like, bourbon out. Mm-hmm. And she, he's like, what? I had two beers. And she's like, well, you had four, but who's counting? Right. Which, that felt real to me. Like, oh, it's that... so real. <laughs> Sometimes, it, it. I think what's so funny about this show and, and so many others is that you get moments where it doesn't feel scripted. Right. And that almost felt like it wasn't scripted. Like that could actually be a conversation. And that's when this is such a side note, but that's just when I really love television and acting because it's like you can if you're good enough, you can put those real moments in to where it feels like you never had to like when you read it on the script on the page, you it's not really like acting like you're just like, oh, yeah, that's how someone would respond. And that scene to me was a really good one for a lot of reasons. But mostly for that is that she just kind of. It felt like she was just reacting to the problem and in a genuine way. And he was just like, well, whatever. Like, he yeah. clearly didn't care how what the number was. He was just like, oh, my good buddy, I didn't even know you were here when he pulls out a random scotch bottle in the cabinet. Yeah. Well, and he's even like, yeah, I'm going to drink this now. Is that a problem? Right. Like, all of this stuff between Val and Dylan feels so much more real mm-hmm. than the intervention we just watched. A hundred percent. That's, like, totally my point. Which is sad because oh, yeah. of what it is, but it still feels really real. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's the same stuff over and over and over again. And finally, Val is like, you know, I told Brandon to mind his own business and that you could handle all of your stuff. And now I'm thinking, like, I thought the intervention was too far. And now I'm realizing, like, we didn't go far enough. And all the while, Dylan is beeping his dealer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it it basically ends where she's like, don't pick up the phone. And he's like, get the fuck out of my house and picks up the phone, makes the call, like, you know, places his order and then goes to the pool hall to pick it up where uh, high cheekbones. Thinning hair, high cheekbones. Thinning hair. I was going to say receding hairline. I was like, that's too many words. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thinning hair, high cheekbones is whatever, chasing the dragon or whatever. But he's mm-hmm. just like. Yeah, you know, uh, drinking was cool, and then I got you to try Coke. But you know what's really cool? Heroin. Yikes. And, like, this is the whole, like, everything's a gateway drug to everything else and blah, blah, blah. Like, Mm -hmm. this man just, like, had a sampler of heroin in his pocket. Which tells me Dylan has been a target from day one. Like, ever since this guy saw him, he was like, I can get that guy addicted to heroin. It's like, that's an addict. That's a customer that I'll have for the rest of his life. Exactly. And he's right. I mean, like, you know, we don't see how the rest of that plays out. You know, Dylan puts it in his pocket. The next time, you know, we see anything, like, while he's been at the pool hall, Val comes home and gets real snippy with Mm -hmm. Kelly. And, like, their whole thing is just so interest like I don't want to call it fun but it's like interesting to me mm-hmm. she's like I went to the movies and Kelly was like oh well you know we didn't know where you were so maybe we thought he called you and she's like I was at the movies yeah and Kelly's just like okay fine you were and, at the movies yeah and then like two seconds later when she when Val is saying like he's too far gone or whatever Kelly's like yep you're right like it's weird how they go from like we're snippy but also like you right girl like it's so weird no, I like I do think there's going to be a friendship there if they can get, you know, everything under control. Like Yikes. they they just play off each other very well. Oh, they do. They do. But 
you know, they're, they're doing all of this. They all just agree that Dylan is too far gone. And like, it shows you, you know, multiple people's faces being like, Dylan's too far gone. And then we find Dylan who has been driving drunk and, you know, uh, presumably just pulled over to pass out. Mm -hmm. Like we can't imagine he was like, I shouldn't be driving and pulled over. Like he pulled over because he literally could not drive anymore. Right. And he pulls out the heroin and cop drives past you know, he gets freaked out because he's high and a cop drove past and he tries to drive. And yeah, like you see it from his perspective where like he can't get control of the wheel. He's on, you know, a really windy hilly road and he first goes off to the right and goes up a little bit and then tries to correct and overcorrects. And then it basically just like fades to black as you hear him driving off a cliff. <sighs> it's a very sad ending to a very sad episode. Yeah, my the last thing I wrote was just like, shit. Uh, yeah, because we all presumably know where we're going from here. We're going to see Dylan in the hospital, right? And we're probably going to see a lot of sad people, hopefully, having a little bit of a change of heart. Mm-hmm. And I bet the whole next episode will be about the fallout of his injuries and and i mean we know he doesn't die yeah but i mean like he i've i have learned recently especially after watching fast nine uh (laughs) that i have a lot of issues with people on tv shows and in movies doing insane stunts and not wearing Mm seatbelts because like you know dylan wasn't wearing a seatbelt in a convertible Convertible. porsche Mm -hmm. going off a cliff like we know he survives but like he's gonna be real fucked up and i mean realistically he's gonna get sober from the fact that he is trapped in the hospital and cannot get drugs right but yeah it's i think you know everyone at this intervention was like we don't want to bury another friend we're so worried after you know josh and scott back in high school and all of this stuff and i really hope that they're like what we did didn't work, mm-hmm. and we are going to lose him, so we need to try harder. Yeah, like, let's come at this from another angle, and let's, let's like, try again mm-hmm. and see if we can help him, yeah. not just pile on him. Don't give up when you've thrown money at the problem and that didn't solve it, because we yeah. know that Dilton and money is not the thing. Right. But, I mean, yeah, that's, that's where it ends. So sad. Um... I don't know. I don't really have too much else. I thought it was very interesting that Mackenzie Phillips played the drug counselor considering her history with heroin. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know she had a heroin problem. Yeah. She, her family, like, according to her book, her family was, like, her dad was giving her drugs from a very early age, like, when she was a child actor and, like, had a very uh, inappropriate relationship with her. And like, she expanded into like Coke and heroin and all of these things. And I think she got arrested in 2008 with heroin. And I think that was when she finally got sober. Good Lord. Yeah. What a long time to be dealing with that. No, it's like really intense. If you ever look up anything about McKenzie, like it's real fucked up. Yikes. And so, yeah, when I saw her, and she's talking to him and like later in this episode he was doing heroin. I was like, I mean, like, she was doing drugs at this point in her life. Like, I can't imagine Having what to this be is on like. The other side. Yeah. yeah. Good lord. That's heavy. Yeah. Um, 
I also, I don't know what mall that Valerie and Claire were at, but I'm pretty sure it's the mall from Crazy Stupid Love that Ryan Gosling makes um, Steve Carell take off his shoes and then he just throws them off the side of the mall. I was like, I this that is movie. that mall. Oh, that movie's problematic. I know, but I love that movie. It's problematic. I love it at a very surface level. It makes you feel better. I, I watched it the other day, um, and like John was out for a walk, and he came home at the end of it where they're all fighting at the house and oh, like yeah. literally physically fighting. And he's like, what are you watching? And I was like, a romantic comedy. <laughs> I do love – like one of my favorite scenes though, it's, and it's a gift for sure, but like – when Ryan Gosling and when they're all sitting there, like after I guess the fight gets broken up and they talk about David Linhagen or whatever, and he just starts laughing, he like covers his mouth because he's cracking up so hard at the whole situation. Yeah, that's like my favorite part. Well, and just Emma Stone. I I know we've talked about Emma Stone before, but I love her, and I don't think my opinion will be changed on that. <laughs> unless she does something really horrible. But anywho, so yeah. Um, I mean. I wrote down quotes. Mm-hmm. I do have one. Um, I don't know. I feel like they're they're mostly Donna stuff because I mm-hmm. just I can't be excited about what happened with the intervention. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I'm gonna go with Donna and Felice, where Donna is like, he's sweet, he's cute, he's nice, and I like him. And Felice just says, "Well, in my book, that's just not good enough." Ugh. <laughs> I know. All right. What you got, Mary? I have one. Okay. Um, this is Dylan to Kirk in rehab. <laughs> Shut up. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. No, mine is one we didn't actually really talk about. It was during the intervention and Brandon had been talking. So then Dylan says, I'm not in the savior business, Brandon. And I thought it was like such an attack on Brandon <laughs> and what we've all been thinking the whole time. But Dylan finally being like, yeah, no, dude, I'm not like you. I'm not some white knight savior trying to go around and save people. And I thought it was perfect. Sometimes I, sometimes I really love how aware the writers seem to be. Like know. they know what they're doing. I know. Well, it's like we teeter from going like we go back and forth from giving them little credit to, to like, like all of so the credit. much credit yeah <laughs> and this was one of those so much credit times what about you mary i don't even have a moment of the week this yeah. week it's rough it's like, hard yeah actually no i take it back it's stupid david taking his stupid shirt off <laughs> and making that stupid porn voice <laughs> which seriously like who comes home from an intervention and your girlfriend's like, you know what's going to make this better? Like, Claire, read the fucking room. Well, and that tells me that David wasn't really that torn up about it. Oh, definitely. Because I feel like Claire's self-aware enough to like know if your boyfriend or whatever they are is down in the dumps about something, you don't just like bring up a sex tape. Like, that's not what you do. Yeah, like... Except ice cream. I feel like David is that person that that's what would cheer him up because True. his brain is stupid. Yeah, just, that's a fair point. No, it's like it's weird to me that Claire and Valerie met at the mall and were just like we didn't get invited to the intervention. Like y'all, did you want to be? Right. But also I appreciate Claire being like, "Yeah, I guess we're not really members of the group yet." And it's like, mm, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> you're <fair>. not. <laughs> They're like 
new team arrow not old team or original Aww. team arrow <laughs> but i mean at this point when you're seeing the group are you like yeah this is the group i want to be in because mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. not me no nope. i want a new group with val and claire and no one else brenda yeah. brenda yeah brenda. oh yeah i want brenda back <laughs> yeah. no i want them to go study abroad in london mm-hmm. be like oh brenda's in london and then just london whatever london's Go through the channel to France and go meet up with Emily Valentine and yes. hang out with whatever sea creatures live in France. <laughs> yes. I love that. Ugh. Well, yeah, I guess I guess now we have to deal with the fallout from the fallout. Yep. And sure enough, that's what's going to happen because next week we have season five, episode 10, The Dreams of Dylan McKay. So he's, he's in a coma and... Yeah, cool. Okay. Fine. I guess. <laughs> like, we knew this was coming. Yeah. I, I have no words. We haven't gotten an episode like this in a while, so yeah. it was coming. Well, you know, we'll talk about when we talk about it. So until next week, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. Shoot us over an email with any of your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, any of it at Back2Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share, all the different things. Um, That'll really helps us. If you give us a good review, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. And we really appreciate it. Yes. Yep. (laughs) So, oh God. From all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm someone who doesn't like tomato aspic. I'm a poorly worded videotape. I can't believe you didn't like the dinner that I made for you. Bye. Bye. See ya.